Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh edition of Gabriel Talks Football GTF. My name is Aldo Gandia. We've got a good one planned. We're going to talk about a lot of topics. And so I also hope that everyone that's joining us live in the chat room will fire away tons of good questions for Greg. And I also want to remind people that when you're on the road, don't watch us on YouTube. <laughs> Listen to us on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your audio podcast. Just search, search for Barroom Network and you'll see all of the GTF Gabriel Talks Football episodes. Let's bring in the man of the hour, Gabriel. Hey, hey Gabriel. How are you, man? I'm good, man. You look good too, man. What, uh, you been working out? Did you work out today? At 5.30. <laughs> 530. Hey, I've had a complete day already. I, I'm, I'm ready for a nap after this. I, 530 to 6.30 is at the gym. Then I had to write an article for Windy City. Then I wrote some reports for my little side job. And now this. Look at you, man. I'm supposed, to be, I'm supposed to be retired. Yeah. <laughs> How does that happen? You and I, I are both know. supposed to be retired and we're as busy as hell. Although you're definitely a lot busier than I am. When you wake up at 530 and you're working out. Uh, well, working, yeah. to me, I, I, I get my best workout if I go then. Because mm -hmm. if I'm tired during the day, then I get lazy. You know, if I go over there, I used to work out in the afternoon religiously. Now I find that if I go first thing in the morning, it's better. Yeah, it's uh, I when I get up early in the morning and I I start doing things whether it's my stretching exercises or just getting to work, I feel so much better throughout the rest of the day. When I wake up at nine a.m., I feel like the day has gotten the better of me and I, I'm not as productive. But uh, that's my life. <laughs> the only thing bad about it is that it's the same group of people earlier in the in the morning. Yeah, it's like there's no new faces. You see the same group every single day. And on a sun, you know, they open at five o'clock during the week, but on weekends they don't open till seven. And if you get there at five to seven, there's twenty people waiting at the door, waiting for the damn door to unlock. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I've been at the health club at that early in the morning, so I'm not even sure who would be there. Um, <laughs> By the way, everyone in the chat who is wishing me well on my recovery, thank you all very much. I really appreciate it. How are you it. feeling? I, you know, yesterday I had a bad day, to be honest with you. I uh, it just uh, wasn't myself and was dragging and stuff, but I feel a lot better today. And that's the way it is with these kinds of things. One day is good, and then uh, one day might not be so good. But enough about that. Let us talk about the Chicago Bears. The OTAs are over, Greg. Uh, mandatory, a veteran mandatory camp is next week, if I remember correctly. Yep. So what did you get out of the OTAs based on what you read, what you heard, what you saw? Uh, any Anything that we can hang our hat on? I mean, typically – when OTAs are happening, there's nothing but positive news. Everybody looks well, great. <laughs> you know, 
unless you get to see the tape, and we don't. Mm-hmm. And and the media, they got them. It's not like they're standing right on the side of the field seeing everything close up because they aren't. They got them off in the corner. And it, it's just difficult. And they're only allowed once a week. You know, and it wasn't that long ago that they let the media in every day, but now it's it's once a week. And so I, I don't think they really get a whole lot out of it. You know, the coaches get more out of it than the media does because they know exactly what they're looking for. Um, OTAs in general benefit skill position people, meaning your running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, quarterback, DBs, and to an extent linebackers because you're doing seven-on-seven and stuff. But with the linemen, it's more condition-oriented, assignment-oriented, but, you know, you're you're not like you can hit somebody. And, you know, you got to send these tapes into the league and the NFLPA scours over those things. And you got contact going on, they'll pull a day. Now, didn't happen to the Bears because OTAs are over, so they didn't get penalized on anything. Unless they're going to penalize them for uh, being too rough playing basketball yesterday down at the United Center. (laughs) (laughs) Which could happen in a couple one-on-one games or three-on-three games. Undoubtedly. (laughs) And really – Mini camp is just an extension of OTAs. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got a helmeted practice, same period of time. You're doing the exact same thing, except it's mandatory for everybody. And and in all honesty, they had everybody there this week anyway. You yeah. know, if you had two weeks, two weeks out of the four weeks, include you know when you include next week that that everybody was there. I think if you compare it to Everybody else in the league, every other team, they probably had a better attendance than just about any team in every team in the league. Mm. You know, because you think about it, the only guys who were missing were the guard and, and Jalen. Right. You know, and, and they showed up this week, so they took part this week. They're going to take part next week. Mm-hmm. Then everybody's off. Now, I think the rookies stick around another week. Now, they're not on the field, but they go through. It's a mandatory rookie school that they go through and yeah. it, you know it's a day by thing and it's you know three four hours a day and uh i think that goes on for another week before the the rookies go on vacation and obviously they'll they'll be working out some there too under the supervision of the strength coaches and uh it's vacay time for a lot of people and uh and, until a week 10 days before camp opens Indeed. Okay. Uh, as you mentioned, Nate Davis and Jalen Johnson were back at practice, and the big conversation was around Jalen Johnson's absence. He met with the media, and he immediately addressed the situation. I thought he addressed it perfectly. Here's a clip of how uh, he uh, answered the question, did it have anything to do with potentially holding out because of your contract? If anybody knows me, that's not that's not my character. Um, and I think at the end of the day, for, for me, me, I won't even say hold now. I mean, just having prior prior priorities. Um, and at the end of the day, everybody knows I have a three-year-old daughter back at home in California. And I mean, I'm a dad before I'm anything else. Um, before I'm a football player, before I'm anything. I mean, I'm, I'm a dad 
first. So, I mean, I don't get to spend too much time with her in the, during season because she's back at home in California. So, me in the off season, I take I take pride in being a dad. I'm not just a any old type of dad that just comes and sees their kid whenever. Like, no, I'm present. I'm spending time. I'm putting my heart into my daughter. So when it comes to the off season, I, I take that serious. And I think that I communicated with that to the coaches, and they understood and hopefully respected it. And at the end of the day, I'm going to be there for my, for my daughter. And, I mean, because they can find another corner. My daughter can't find another dad. So, I mean, I take, I take pride in that. High character guy, wouldn't you say, Greg? Yeah. I, you know, we, we talked about this before. That – you know, when you have a group of people missing, that's one thing. When you got a couple guys and they got legitimate reasons, don't forget it's voluntary. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a guy that doesn't take care of himself and doesn't work out and all that. So, yeah, it's not a big deal. You know, I can go back in the 80s when I was working for the Giants. And first of all, you didn't have an off-season program at that point. You know, they had the, the, the weightlifting and they, and they did some stuff out on the field, but there was no rules involved. It's probably a little more physical what they did do. Um, and how many days you could do it a week, that wasn't uh, regulated by the league or anything. And, and But you had, you know, the amount of people you had wasn't anywhere close to what you get now. And on top of that, when we get, when you got into camp, you know, we might have, on top of a couple maybe rookie holdouts, because there was no the salary cap wasn't there, and and a lot of these structured deals weren't there. We might have eight to ten veterans holding out when camp opened up, mm-hmm. okay, and they'd hold out, you know, through two three usually through two to three preseason games because they know this is going to be my only holdout of my whole career because you know I'll get my next long term contract and by that then I'll probably be done. So I, I, this is the one time I'm going to enjoy my summer. And, you know, so it's all, it's all planned. You know, they say, yeah, I'm going to, I, I, I'll get the thing settled after the second preseason game. Then I'll have three weeks to prepare for the season. And you know what? Football didn't suffer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I, I keep saying that, and I'm not trying to pick on the media, but they're the people that make the big deal out of it. Yeah. Trying to find you know, something. And, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to have, you got to get clicks, man. So it's uh, the nature of the business. Uh, yeah. You know what? what uh, I wanted to play this uh, from Shaquan Brisker, too, because talk about one of the things I really love about this rendition of the Chicago Bears since Ryan Poles uh, uh, acquired the team or became general manager, I should say, uh, is he's really drafting guys with high character. And so listen to Jaquan Brisker ask, what was he happy about last season, his response? I don't want to say really too much. To be honest, I really wasn't happy. Um, yeah, I wasn't happy. We went 3-14. and 14. Um, I feel like I didn't have the year I should have had. Um, got to finish out the year strong. I got to finish out the year healthy. You know, I don't want to miss any games, especially even in the preseason. I don't really want to, you know, miss too much time. I want to be out there with my teammates and things like that. So I feel like I definitely wasn't wasn't happy with anything at all. Um, so yeah, that's the true. That's my truthful answer. Uh, there was nothing I was happy about last year. This guy played really well in his rookie season. He did. You know what? He's a competitive kid, uh, and he's only he. he laid the foundation for his career last year. And, you know, year two, you always take a big jump. You're going to see a lot better football player this year. You can see a more confident football player. 
And that's going to be across the board with these guys going into their second year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, uh, what do you think now about this, the third cornerback position? We know Kyler Gordon and uh, Jalen Johnson are going to be out there in the football field. Uh, who is going to be the other starter out to opposite? Uh, obviously, we can't answer that question with any certainty but who are you looking are you looking for Jaquan Brisker to potentially compete for that starting job and maybe hold on to it until Tyreek Stevenson uh takes it away or, or what are your thoughts Brisker at corner no I'm sorry uh Gordon uh and Kendall uh, Vildor would be Kendall Vildor yes Kendall Vildor I I think that'll be an interesting battle in camp yes uh, um I thought Vildor played good last year and then he got hurt you know, his play from 21 to 22, the the uptick in his play was very good. And mm-hmm. so that and that probably helped him develop a lot of confidence in his game. You know, he's not going to sit around and just hand the job to to Stevenson. Stevenson's a good player. There's no question. And they took him in the second round and they're not afraid to play young guys. So and he's. Probably, not probably, he is a more physical guy, and he's got more size and uh, similar type speed. So, you know, I, I'm going to say when, when Stevenson's ready, he's going to win that job. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to hand it to him. He's got to win it. Right. You know, and then and then Carla Gordon's going to be in the slot. And the slot, he's there, you know, 85 90% of the time anyway. So... Yeah, I think the secondary is going to be pretty good. I'm not sure about the depth. And um, I think they'll get through minicamp next week. And then they'll sit down and, and you know, they, they grade these tapes every day. And, and you can find out a lot about, you know, the secondary guys and the wide receivers. Uh, obviously, the, there's no tackling. But as far as their coverage ability, their ability to – uh, pick up the assignments and and not blow coverage and that type of thing. You're going to find out that about those skill people. So, you know, you drafted a kid this year. You drafted Hicks last year. You, you got to find out if they're good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, in in case Brisker or Jackson go down, and and if not, it you know it wouldn't surprise me. DeAndre Houston Carter still out there on the street. Yeah, Mr. Inglewood just asked about him. Are you surprised? He, you know, it's not like he was chopped liver last last year. He played probably had his best season, mm-hmm. and so it wouldn't shock me that they get through this because you know basically it was four weeks of of a non physical training camp. And, and they're going to have a pretty good idea what those young kids can do. Uh, and then they may say, you know what, we, we, we got to try to bring this guy back. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, so it wouldn't shock me if it happens within, you know, a couple of weeks after there might not be anything happen for a couple of weeks because people go on vacation, but then, you know, sometime before camp starts, you right. know, re up them if they can. Um, somebody, uh, who was this, uh, somebody posted something that sounds a little disturbing. King Book of World says, how does everybody feel about, 
uh, Tremaine Edmonds being rated most overrated linebacker. Now, King Booker World. Overrated than that. Exactly. You'll have to tell us who that is. Uh, I've watched this guy. I've seen, I think, every single play in his career because I Mm -hmm. watch every Buffalo game, being Mm -hmm. a Bills fan. And last year, by far, was his best year. I mean, and he got better and better every year. I thought when he was a rookie, he was more of a reactor instead of an anticipator. And part of that was that, shit, he was a 20-year-old rookie and and just a young guy. But now he's become a lot more instinctive. His coverage skills are great. He's very good as a blitzer. Uh, His game is strong. I mean, isn't Brian Urlacher? But he, I'll tell you what, he isn't far behind either. You know, and in some of the tape that I saw of Edmonds and how he patrols that center of the field, you know, to kind of basically become a cover three uh, defensive back, uh, I thought was very impressive and was Erlacher-like. Uh, again, you know, Erlacher is a Hall of Famer and Edmonds has a long way to prove himself in that way. But he certainly has the athletic skills to do, uh, replicate what Erlacher did when he was patrolling the defensive backfield. Yeah, don't forget Edmonds comes from a NFL family. His dad played in the league. He's got two brothers that play in the league. He plays it like, I mean, this, this team is low or team family is loaded with football talent. And, mm-hmm. you know, so he's grown up with it. And, yep. and I, I got no problems with him. I, you know, he might not be as physical as Brian. Um, Brian was probably playing closer to 260 near the end of his career. Edmonds is a lean 250. He's longer than Brian. He's got real long arms. Uh, probably a little taller. Uh, I'm going to say not probably. He is a little taller. Probably an inch, inch and a half taller. Uh, just as fast, if not faster. You know, th- this guy was a hell of a pickup, and, and rightfully so. I mean, they, he was the highest paid free agent they, they signed, the group they signed, and by a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about the pass rush uh, before we get uh, to the offense. Uh, Leonard Floyd signed for what is reportedly a one-year, $7 million contract. And then yesterday – there are some incentives on top of that, I think. Exactly. About nine. Right. And then Fred Clark signed for 5.5 one-year contract. Uh, Those those deals look – like they would have been awfully friendly for the Chicago Bears. Now, maybe neither one of those two players wanted to come to Chicago. Uh, I can understand that. Uh, but uh, what's going on with the pass rush situation? Now, and you told me before the show started that it's starting to get pretty thin out there in terms of free agents. Yeah. I, I mean, those were two of my favorites. And, and Clark, because not necessarily his pass rush. He's a good pass rusher gets more pressures than he does actual sacks, mm. but he really plays the run well too. So, you know, he's an every down player. Uh, Floyd, best all around game. 28 or 28 and a half sacks the last three years. That speaks for itself. You know, and people were saying, well, he can't play defensive end. Well, what the hell do you think Buffalo just signed him for? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, all you got to do is look at how he was how he was used with the Rams, and you say, "Yep." In this scheme, and Buffalo's scheme isn't a whole lot different 
than the Bears scheme. And you can say, yeah, he can do it. And he can play the runner and he can rush the passer. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, both of those were, were good deals. And Gakwe is obviously the best guy there. I know I tweeted out last night. I said, the market's been set. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you saw the tweet. I said, but if they want Ngakwe, it's going to cost seven to nine million dollars. You know, when you throw in the incentives and stuff. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's, you know, and, and I think that's pretty much what he was making. Maybe a couple dollars more with Indianapolis last year. Mm-hmm. And he had nine and a half sacks. Uh, mm-hmm. He is familiar with the line coach here. The line coach here coached him in, in Oakland. Uh, and he's um, familiar with one of the defensive linemen, the new defensive linemen we got from the Raiders. They played together out in, in Vegas for a year. So uh, is it going to happen? Who the hell knows? But after that, I mean, the pickets are slim. I mean, is there people? Yeah. Uh, Justice Houston. Justin Houston, who played for the Ravens last year and Poles and Oles from Kansas City days, he had nine or nine and a half sacks last year, but he's 34 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then there's Gerald Ingram, and he's 34 years old. Mm-hmm. And so that goes against really what um, Poles is trying to do. In fact, if you look at at the age on all these guys, except for Ngakwe, they're on the wrong side of 30. Houston's mm-hmm. going to hit 30 before he gets to camp. Um, Leonard Floyd will be 31 right at the start of camp. Uh, and then, you know, Houston and Ingram are 34. The only guys in his 20s is Ngakwe. Interesting. Do you think that, you know, obviously he's probably very disappointed that he hasn't been offered the multi-year contract that he thinks he deserves. Um, well, he didn't get so, one last year either. Right. And so that, I mean, would add to the frustration. So uh, do you think given that, that he would want to hold out for a team that can really help him have a stellar season and could the bears be that team or given the Bears situation, he probably doesn't have them on the top of his list. Um, if he's looking for an opportunity to play and get and increase his sack total, mm-hmm. then, and I'm trying to be very fair with my analysis here. This is the best place to go because there's nobody, there's no true proven outside pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Walker had his best year last year, seven and a half, six sacks. You know, Green will probably rotate with Walker on that one side. Both of those guys are really good run defenders, but I, they're not going to scare any offensive coordinator, right. you know, as far as, as being a, a killer pass rusher. Now, another free agent out there is Quinn, but you know, they're not bringing him back, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like 34 years old this year, too. So, you know, I, I, the way I look at it, it's Ngakwe or nothing. Or you could say they've seen enough in OTAs and the offseason program from Gibson and, and Robinson to say they might be okay. But in all honesty... I don't know how you can come to that conclusion because you're not playing football exactly. you know, with those people. 
you know yeah. their conditioning, you know their strength, you know, you know and, and you can see in drills if they've improved hand usage and stuff. But even with that, you, you got to be going against somebody to really see if it's, it's that effective. You know, what happened with, with Gibson? I don't know. I mean, he's a guy that had seven, seven and a half sacks in 2021. So you thought that he might push 10 sacks last year and he dropped down to two or two and a half or something. And it's like, you know, what the hell happened to you? And I know he was in the doghouse yes. with the powers of be. So he's now he's in a contract year, so he's motivated. Mm -hmm. But And he sounded like it too when he met with the media this week. Well, yeah, but you know what? Half the stuff that people say to the media right now, I, like it goes in one ear and out the other with me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're all talking positive. They're all talking, oh, we're going to be great. We're going to win 18 games, all this other shit, you know. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. The only thing that matters is when you strap it up come the weekend after Labor Day and you start playing games, and that's when you got to win. Yeah. Creighton asks, uh, is there anyone you think that could be a trade possibility uh, in terms of a pass rusher? Well, you know, I, I'm not a big go-after-Chase-Young fan. I, mm -hmm. I tweeted out, and I wrote an article about it earlier in the week and why. He, he didn't have a – he had a very serious knee injury. Not only did – I mean, an ACL by itself isn't that bad anymore. Doctors do thousands of them, and, and the guys usually come back. But he not only tore the ACL, he tore the patellar tendon. And the same like so now you got the combination of the two. You got two injuries in the same joint. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot more difficult to come back from. And then he played in the last three games of last year. I don't think he got a sack. And you know, he really did nothing. And on top of that, before the injury, so that's the two thousand early in the 2021 season. Mm -hmm. He only had one and a half sacks in like seven games. Right. You know, his all his productivity, and it was just seven and a half sacks, was as a rookie. So people, you know, want to put him in Canton because they're going on what he was at Ohio State, and he hasn't done that his entire time at the league. Mm -hmm. But – here to me, this is the kicker, and and I'm not against trading for him. I just want to find out what he is before I actually pull the trigger. Yes, and and, and the way the rules are written, it's almost impossible to do that. You know, you'd have to have Washington go out of their way to be accommodating, mm -hmm. because you can't get a medical until after the trade's made. But maybe they'd say, you know what? Well, okay, bring him in, give him a medical. And then we'll make the deal. Right. If you, because now you can make the trade, bring them in, give the medical, and if you and if you flunk them, you it, it negates the trade. But at the same time, that's taking you out of the market for anybody who might be on there, and mm -hmm. and it might only be in a couple of days. But in those couple of days, you could lose, say, an Ngakwe or something like that, because just the way it the way everything falls, and. He didn't take part in OTAs. 
He took part in minicamp. Their minicamp was this week. He took part in that. You don't get tape of that. And Washington does not have to give you copies of that tape. And why would they? That's showing what they're doing offensively and defensively. Unless they, you know, they'd say, okay, look, we'll, we'll send you the individual period tape where it's just one-on-one stuff. Not, not, not even one-on-one. It's, 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 a, you know, drill work. And, gotcha. and you can watch them move around on that. So there, there's just so many question marks about that. And on top of it, he's a rental. He's out of contract at the end of this year. And, you know, somebody said to me at Twitter, well, he's going to want 100 to $120 million next year. I go, he can want whatever he wants. <laughs> he can throw any number he wants up there. He's not going to get shit unless he's healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, so... <laughs> So it seems I mean, so. It's a really it's a prove it year for him because right. it's been let. 2020 was the last time he did anything, mm-hmm. or 2021. Excuse me. It seems like with the uh, methodical plan that Ryan Poles has put in place for rebuilding the Bears team, it seems like it's such a risky move and it would be out of character for that plan. If if you know they needed if they had a championship caliber team and they needed to find a pass rusher to get them over the top, then maybe, maybe you make a move like that. But right now it just is too risky and uh, too many resources needed. I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but it just, when you follow what Ryan has done, Mm -hmm. it just doesn't go in the same book. It, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it just, kind of like the opposite of what he's done mm-hmm. yeah. you know he, he he's very calculating with everything he he says everything he does as far as signings trades everything else so uh and i i know he's real big into the analytics of injury mm-hmm. and how people come back what kind of careers they have after He's got studies on all that stuff. Uh, I don't, and frankly, I don't know how many people have had that injury that Chase Young has had. <laughs> you know, a, a, a combination ACL patellar tendon. Right. Yeah. I know there's been guys who've torn their patellar tendon. There's been guys who've torn their ACL. Mm-hmm. I don't know of how many have done both from the right. same injury. And yeah. so, and and to me, it's all, it's the strength of the joint. And so that means obviously a good surgery, no arthritis Mm -hmm. because arthritic conditions always get worse. And how good are his movement skills? Is he the athlete he was when he came out of Ohio state and how are you going to know that, you know, just without seeing now, if you get to see him in training camp, that's a different story, you know, because, you know, Washington hold on to him and then, you know, come trade deadline, you know, you're going to have eight games mm-hmm. under his belt. Plus if he played in preseason and now you've got a little better gauge of what he is versus making a trade today or tomorrow. All right. Let's turn our thoughts over to the now, offense. One other guy we got to bring up. Okay. And that is his name came up yesterday and who knows if he, but I, I just can't see Minnesota trading somebody in the division, but oh uh, yes, <laughs> Daniel Hunter from uh, from uh, 
from Minnesota. Now, yes. Detroit was stupid enough to send their tight end to Minnesota last year. Detroit. I mean, he just or Hawkinson. Or yeah. Um, why would I, I? I just can't see Minnesota in their right mind mm-hmm. sending a defensive end to a team in their own division that really needs a defensive end. And yeah. it's going to make them a better football team. Yeah. In their own, I, I just can't see it. Unless the Bears overpay, right? Uh, and, yeah, but I, just again, that goes back to look what he's done already. And that just doesn't work. And, the, and, and Daniel Hunter's no youngster. He's going to be 29 this year. Yeah, right. And uh, while he's in, in totality, he's played at a really high level. He has had a couple of seasons where he's kind of disappeared a little bit. Who knows? Maybe he was nicked up or, or whatever. So it's not like you'd be getting a sure thing to get your double-digit sacks. But I do like the player a lot. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that, that I, I don't know if it's confusing is both Poles and Flus have said – on two separate occasions, maybe 10 days apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to do something with the edge position. Mm-hmm. And, and Paul said when he was on with Bernstein, sooner rather than later. Right. Yeah, well, that was three weeks ago. Right. And I'm wondering if they thought they had something with somebody hmm. and, it, and it fell through. Yeah, interesting. You know, could it have been a Leonard Floyd? Could it have been a Frank Clark? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, with Floyd, they said that there's been a couple reports that he had other offers for more money, but he wanted a chance to, to chase a ring with Buffalo, and I can't blame him for that. Was Chicago one of those teams with more money? I don't know if we're ever going to know that. Frank asked, were you surprised to see the Vikings release Dalvin Cook, a Pro Bowl player? It appears the Vikings are heavy on analytics over talent. Say you uh, about that. Yeah, that, he, he's had a couple little injuries. I don't recall him hitting. I may be totally wrong on that one. Not that I follow Minnesota real closely, that I know each player like I do with some other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, guy's still pretty damn good now. Mm-hmm. And dangerous, and but he's costing ten million. They got another back they like, and and so I, from the money standpoint, I get it. But you couldn't trade him, and 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 part of that, you can you can use that even with with the discussion on the edge. Nobody was going to take on that ten million dollar contract, right? So. Who says somebody's going to take on eight, nine, ten million for Ngakwe? You know, mm-hmm. there's only a few teams that got the money to do that. And the Bears are one of them. Yeah. Yes, they are. Uh, interesting viewpoint. All right, let's uh, talk offense now. Uh, Chicago Bears offense. Uh, there seems to be, as Free Palestine says, a lot of hype coming out about this connection with DJ Moore and Justin Fields. And as Free writes, uh, ex players and coaches said they have never seen a Bear wide receiver look so good since Brandon Marshall. And of course, you're going to say, well, this is OTAs. Let's not get too. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's not kind of. Big Z wrote something today, too, and he's the same thing. Yeah, let's wait until they got shoulder pads on and he's getting hit going across the middle. Yes. Uh, but 
still, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of the show. With the skill positions, you get some good ideas of what's going on mm-hmm. during OTAs. Uh, a lot of it is just, is a new guy like uh, more fitting into the offense, understanding the offense so that he's going to be, when camp starts in, you know, the end of July, is he going to be up to speed with everything and, and ready to go? And, and then really the same thing with Claypool. And Claypool's, I think, had a pulled muscle or something the last couple of weeks. We'll see if he's ready to go next week. But from everything I had heard up until that soft tissue injury, he'd been looking pretty damn good too. Mm-hmm. So um, you got to get Mooney back. Mooney will be back when camp opens. And it'll be, I, I think – the most competitive situation in camp on offense is going to be the running back situation. Uh, But then the next most competitive will be the wide receiver. Now I think assuming everybody's healthy, the top three are pretty much set, but what's the order of the next three, Mm -hmm. you know, and that'll be interesting between EQ, uh, Bayless Jones, uh, the guy they just drafted, uh, mm-hmm. Pettis. You know, it, it, it's uh, that that'll be interesting to see. And I know one thing: they got a lot of freaking speed now. They sure effing do. Out of those uh, first seven, all of them are are sub four or five coming out of college, and that's going to really help out the Bears tight ends, uh, Cole Komet and Robert Tanyan. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this tandem. First of all, do you foresee that Cole Komet is going to play more of that pass receiving uh, tight end and Tanyan will probably be more of the blocking tight end? No, or... it's the other way around. Tanyan's really? not a blocker. Yeah, Tanyan's oh. 240 pounds. I didn't know he was that – Oh, wow, I, I did not know that. Yeah, no, he's a little guy. I mean, he's in, and he can run. He, coming out, he was a sub four six guy. He ran on the high four fives at Indiana State. He didn't go to the combine, so and, and I've been to Indiana State. It's not like they got the best facilities in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is. I mean, can he line up at the Y and block? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. he'll he'll give you something. You don't want him there all the time. That's for damn sure. So, I I, I think the way this works out is is commit and, and just look at commit. He is a Y, and Tanya's your move guy, and mm-hmm. he's a pretty damn good one. I mean, he had fifty something receptions last year. I'm surprised they got got him as cheap as they did. And an only on a one-year contract, to be honest with you, because he'd been a productive player in Green Bay. Yeah, I, I was surprised at that as well. And he knows this Bears offense, so he steps in with the knowledge. Uh, he's going to get up to speed very quickly. Right, how much of that twelve package will you do you anticipate happening with the Bears, particularly since they've got these three speedy receivers that are scheduled or likely to be the three starters. I think there's going to be a lot of in and out. There's probably going to be some packages where they're in 11, where the one tight end will be Tanya and you're going to have everybody spread out, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? So 
um, you know, with no wide tight end in the formation. So I, I, I there's going to be plays for every everybody. Yeah. Now it's a matter of do does the offensive line pass protect? Mm-hmm. And there's no depth there. Uh, that's my concern. Well, I you know what we just don't know. I mean, the, there's there's going to be at least one interior player for depth, and that's either going to be that's going to be the loser of the white hair Patrick battle to back up at, at center and guard. After that, you know, you got Jay Tyree Carter. Um, you got Leatherwood, who's back. You got Dieter Iceland. Dieter Iceland ain't all that bad now. Yeah. Um, they keep bringing him back. And, and it, when he got the chance to play last year, he actually acquitted himself pretty well. Um, it's really the tackle position I'm more concerned with. I know Larry Borum can back up at the right tackle position. I don't, I'm not so sure he can do the left. Can he get you out of a game? Yeah. But do you want better? Now, part of it, you know, he could improve his movement skills, lose some more body fat and get leaner and get a little quicker. Uh, you know, we're not going to know the answer to that. So we're, we're throwing darts at the wall right now and, uh, until we see what they can do in the cap. And that really speaking about Leatherwood, because who the hell knows what he is? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't want to leave the tight end position uh, totally right now because J2K has got a good question. I know you've talked about Chase Allen in the past, and you said that he's he's got some promise. Uh, where, where is your level of thinking about tight end Chase Allen, who's entering his second year? I think he's got a real strong shot for number three, but I can't, they signed this guy who's played in the league. And I can't think of his name. He's played a few years in the league, and he hasn't been that bad. Um, Let's see if I can a couple weeks ago, um, so it, it'd be Chase Allen or him for the Chase Allen. I was surprised didn't get drafted. You know, he was a pretty productive player at Iowa State. Mm -hmm. uh, he can play the Y. He can play the move. Uh, he's got good hands. He's not a burner or anything like that, but he's fast enough, smart player. Um, you know, right now he would be my, my favorite for the, for the number three spot. Were you referring to Jake Carlson? Yes. Okay. And then we still have Jake Tongas on the roster. Yeah, who really can line up at, at fullback. He's one of the few that can line up at the fullback position. And, and he was active for games last year. So I, there's competition at that position too. In fact, in most positions, there's pretty good competition going into camp. Indeed. Indeed. Um, all right. Now, uh, regarding the offensive line, Mr. Inglewood says, will uh, Borum survive this year's camp? I know uh, you've uh, that's brought an that interesting up. question. I mean, as of right now, I'd say yes, but it wouldn't shock me if he didn't because I, uh, you know, he, he's been a starter for pretty much all of his first two years in the league. So he's got play time. He's just not He's not starter quality, but right. you want your backup to be good enough to, if he's got to play or he's got to play for a couple games to be able to hold the fort or get mm -hmm. you out of a game. And last year you go back, they ended up taking him out of that uh, starting right tackle job and putting Riley reef in there. 
And it wasn't like Reef was a whole lot better. But it's just that when you look at what they want, exactly what they want in this wide zone scheme, I don't know if Borum's quite athletic enough. Mm-hmm. But until you've now, there's a rookie that's pretty damn good athlete. And I like what I saw on tape, and that's Huey from Pitt. He had some injuries that probably prevented him from, from getting drafted, but obviously got by the physical, and, and he's here. I think it's going to be interesting to see what he does when, once he gets to camp. Do you know anything about Robert Burns uh, uh, signed as an undrafted free agent fullback out of the University of Connecticut? He was signed uh, just uh, a few days ago, I want to say. No, really don't. All right, we'll look into him and uh, address him in a future show. Um, okay, more questions here. Uh, regarding the coaching staff, uh, John wanted to know what are your uh, what's your opinion and impressions on the Chicago Bears coaching staff? Uh, I'm on the outside looking in, and I I think they do a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're teachers. Uh, I know one thing about head coaches. I mean, I don't really know Flus, but head coaches don't think you're doing the job they want you to do. They replace you. Mm-hmm. And he didn't replace anybody, so he likes what he has. Um, so knowing that, I mean, he had to be happy with the group. It's not like we're playing with a, a you know a front runner roster last year. Yeah, this roster is a lot stronger this year than last year's was. Yeah, and you know I think that there was also because I've got some friends who said, oh, they should fire this coach, they should fire that coach. But I, I think that the Bears well, realized, you know, why. Yeah, well, because, for instance, the pass rushing coach. There was no pass rush, but there was also no pass rushers. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the uh, <laughs> that's the thing, is, is that you, what's the saying? You can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit? I mean, yeah. you, know, you don't got guys who can do it. Exactly. Now, you're really high on a guy who was the, the – Defensive backs coach previously with the Bears went away for a while and is now back. Hoke. John Hoke. Uh, Great tell, coach. Tell us why. Well, number one, he's a he pays attention to detail. He makes his players pay attention to detail. He's a demanding coach, but in a good way. You know, he, he's not the coach who's going to MF you to death. He's a very, very good teacher. He's a technician. Uh, he's, he's been a coordinator in the league. He's been a coordinator in college. He's a real smart guy. Uh, really one of the best DB coaches I've ever been around in all the years I was in the league. I, I really enjoyed working with him. And, and part of the reason was is because obviously I'm an evaluator. He could evaluate and he was a damn good evaluator. But on top of that, you know, I, when a new coach comes into the building, I always made it a point to go over and watch him coach for a while. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's cool. He, he was pretty darn good. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's great to have those great teachers and the bears have been uh, saying over and over again, that relationship between position coach and player is of tantamount importance to this 
team. You know, that's the, that's their philosophy is those position coaches and players establish great relationships and get the absolute most that they can out of their players. Um, for the second week in a row, and I, I apologize, Greg, I forgot to ask you to uh, follow up on this guy. Mark is asking about the Anthony Jones, the rookie that was signed out of Houston. He had outstanding outstanding numbers at Houston, uh, but he was an undrafted free agent. Do you know anything about him? And if not, uh, we'll uh, be better prepared next week. Good player in that uh, AAC conference. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the numbers, meaning height, weight, speed, they're not NFL caliber. He's a defensive end and he's six foot tall and he runs a five, one, five or a five, one. So, um, but he's got a quick explosive first step, can use his hands good. Uh, I really don't expect him to make the team. I mean, you know, he he was a, you know, good college player. Does he have what it takes to jump to the next level? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the six-foot uh, height is – no, hey, there, there's been some six foot guys who can rush a passer, mm-hmm. but you, you're still, and he doesn't have long arms either. And if, and if you're going to be short, you better have something to make up for your short height, and that's long arms. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but he does, he's got short arms too. All right. Well, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on him. Uh, Brian says the few videos I've seen of Jones, he looks like he knew the play better than the offense did. So probably a smart kid. Probably gets yeah, a good no, jump on things. Um, let me see if I can find his measurables. I don't okay. know if you're going to lose me on here. I got to go and open up another page here. All right. Well, I'll do it with my phone. There you go. Uh, what, the hell's his, what the hell's his name? D. Anthony uh, Jones, D apostrophe yeah. okay. Anthony Jones. Um, let's see. Let me see. I'll, I'll look as well. Um, of course, you know the the Houston website had him at six two. Yeah, no, he's six foot. Yes. Um, I'm not seeing it handy. Put in combine results, and if just a pro day, you'll get it. Yeah, it's funny. There's another website that has about six three. Okay, no, okay, no, I got, I found it. I just got to wait for it to open up here now. Okay. Um, And Thomas, we're going to talk about the Arlington Heights uh, situation coming up. We'll also uh, plan to talk about the gambling issues. Uh, And well, I uh, get onto this thing, but it doesn't want to open up. Here we go. Six oh oh three. Uh huh. Um, 276. Actually, his arm length was a little better than I thought. 32 and 32 on a six foot guy isn't bad. Uh, ran a 515, just what I said. His 10 was 178. So, you know, he, he's uh, ver- vertical jump was only 29. He didn't do the broad jump. 23 reps, 458 on the 20 shuttle, 766 on the three cone. Um, all those are the reasons why he wasn't drafted. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes the, the numbers can lie a little bit in terms of what a player can do from a results standpoint, but generally they tell the truth about a guy's uh, potential in the National Football League. 
Um, all right, let's get some other questions uh, out of the way here. Um, this is an interesting question. Uh, Greg, do you have any insider contacts in the Bears organization that give you some nuggets that the outside press doesn't get? And are you going to answer that question by saying, if I did, I wouldn't tell you? <laughs> yes, and I won't tell you. <laughs> That's how you get insider information by not revealing who your sources are or that you're even getting insider information. I love that. <laughs> um, okay. Well, you remember a couple of things I told you. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and I'm uh, sworn to secrecy, so no one is going to get it out of me. <laughs> Chris wants to know, what was your greatest achievement in your scouting career? That's a great question, Chris. Probably hard to pick one, right? No, you know, hey, I lasted close to 35 years. That's the greatest achievement. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Great answer. <laughs> Excuse me. I must have been doing something right. Yes, indeed. <laughs> you know, because it, it, it's a do-your-job business. That's right. Or uh, find another line of work. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Now let's talk about the stadium situation. Uh, Thomas wanted to know your thoughts on uh, Arlington Heights tax situation, retroactively increasing the value from $23 million to $182 million and six times the rent for an unusable plot of land. Is that strong-arming uh, the Bears? Fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> What the hell kind of town you living in there, Aldo? And I don't know if it's I don't know if it's Arlington Heights or Cook County or what, but this Kevin Warren's no dummy now, and so it's like okay, fine, we'll go somewhere else. That's right. And you th now you think about this. Now here's I, I I've had this argument in my head for a few days. Just think about people saying, well, why should taxpayers subsidize billionaires to build a stadium? Okay, I, I get that. Well, first of all, the Bears aren't asking for anybody to pay for the stadium. They've said, we're paying for the stadium. We want help for the infrastructure. Right. Now, the infrastructure is used by everybody. So right. I understand that. And... Then when you look at arbitrarily raising the taxes on a piece of property that a few weeks before was something else because of what it might be down the road, that's ridiculous because you're going to be getting, once the, the thing is built, if it's built, you're going to be getting taxes off of every, every entity in there, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hotel, restaurants, everything else. But now, you know, talking about, you know, the government helping pay for billionaires to, to build stadiums. Well, project gets complete. And this is supposed to be a dome stadium. So you're going to get guaranteed one Super Bowl mm -hmm. and maybe more because of the size of the city of Chicago. You're probably going to get in the rotation for Final Fours. Mm -hmm. Big Ten tournaments, other big stuff that's going to come in there, plus everything that is is 
you know, so that alone, the, the economic appeal to that builds tax dollars. Am I correct in saying that? Absolutely. Okay. So, and, and so the, the economic, what's the word I want? Just the money being brought into that area by that project being built for different events is going to far surpass any money that is donated, given, whatever, to the team to help build the stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And probably three or four or five times worth. You know, when you think about it. So I think people get very shallow minded with that and they don't think about the big picture and and the economic implications it has on the area. Yes, because and 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 honestly, I didn't think a lot about that. I really sat down and thought about it earlier this week. And and when the first first thing came to my mind when this came out, they they went out. West and, and wanted to look at a site there. And I said, all he's doing is, is going to squeeze. And I don't know if it's Cook County or Arlington Heights. You probably know better than I do on that. Uh, it's both. He, yeah. They want to make a deal, but they don't want, they don't, they want everybody to be fair. That's mm-hmm. my way of saying, okay, if you're going to screw us, we'll screw you. We won't do it. We'll sell the property. Mm-hmm. And maybe we got to take a loss and sell the property. And then what are you going to have? Then you're going to have nothing. Right. You'll you know, have so, a big empty plot of land that's not, you're not generating any taxes. <laughs> right. You know, so, um, and, and I think that because of that, the Bears got them by the balls a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's like anything else. Although... It's a negotiation process. Indeed. And and you got, well, I, you know, Kevin Warren's got a reputation of being a pretty shrewd person. Indeed. Uh, he's not going to become the commissioner of the Big Ten if he, if he wasn't. And then he already built a stadium in, in Minnesota for the Vikings. So he's got some experience in this thing. Uh, he seems like a very cool, calm person. Um, Unlike Ted in that Ted could get excited. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I think it's just, it's politics. It's going to work its way out. If I was a betting man, I'd say that the stadium is still going to be built in Arlington Heights and is going to be built in such a way that everybody's happy. The Bears are happy. Cook County's happy. Arlington Heights is happy. Well, it was a week ago uh, today that the Bears issued this statement. We will continue the ongoing demolition activity and work toward a path in Arlington Heights, but it is no longer our singular focus. It is our responsibility to listen to other municipalities in Chicagoland about potential locations that can do 
deliver on this transformational opportunity for our fans, our club, and the state of Illinois. It was interesting, uh, Greg, that Brad Biggs wrote in a recent column in the Chicago Tribune that when the Bears were in negotiations to purchase the plot of land in Arlington, there was a stipulation in the in the in right the deal. that they couldn't talk to anybody else. Exactly, and so that really opened up my eyes about what they're doing now. Now that they can look at opportunities, of course you should. But it's, it's well, good business. yeah, yeah, it's good business. But at the same time, look. At Smart heads are going to come together and, and they're going to see the value to all parties. And the way I look at it, it's a pretty, that's a pretty good fit right now. Mm-hmm. Just don't anybody be stupid. And if you get greedy on either side, then you're being stupid. And right now, the municipality be a little greedy. Because they're unfairly raising taxes on a plot of land that weren't there before, you know, and, and that that's dirty pool on, on the way I look at it. I don't know how you look at it, but that's how I see it. Uh, uh, let's see what Berlissimo thinks. He said, I got a question for you. Is this happening because the Bears have realized the depth they'll need to dig to get Arlington Heights done? So it's a ploy to make local government to become more sympathetic in Arlington Heights or leverage elsewhere? I, I don't know exactly what he means. You know, the, I, I think this is all about taxes. And, and I think he's right about both of those things. This is about getting local government more uh, 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 in in line with the deal in Arlington Heights, but it's also about leverage. You know, you're looking for the best possible deal. I think they're well, right. If, if, if you can say screw you, we'll go somewhere else. Huh. We'll take our ball somewhere else. Right. Well, what, what? How does that leave Cook County and Arlington Heights if they say screw it and go somewhere else, and then just right. sell the plot of land? Even sell it for a fifty million dollar loss, and sell it for, you know, one hundred and fifty million versus one hundred and ninety seven million that they paid. Yeah, indeed. And Travis says uh, taxpayers should never pay for billionaires' toys. Well, we just had that discussion, and I and I disagree with that yeah. because it ends up getting more money. The taxes that are generated from the entire project over the from everything that that goes on brings up brings in more money into the coffers of the community mm-hmm. than if the project wasn't built in the first place. Right. Yeah. You've got, you've got to get out the calculators, the spreadsheets and so forth. And you've got to figure out. Economic is impact the, is the word I was trying to think of. But yeah. So you've got to figure out what is the best for both worlds here. And in many cases, a lot of people, as you said, Greg, overlook the fact that, you know, investing in an opportunity like a new stadium in an area could really benefit the total uh, uh, economic environment, economic. Okay, just look at this way. I mean, a Super Bowl brings in billions of dollars Mm -hmm. economic impact into a community. What the hell do you think a Final Four does? Probably pretty close to the same thing. Yeah. You know, and, and you're going to get them. You might even get a national championship football game. You're yeah. going to get all those events, and part of it is because it's Chicago. Yes, indeed. 
And, and we can we can create a very long list of opportunities, attractions that could be held in that stadium. I mean, I, I, when I was a reporter at Channel 2, I remember doing a story on the proposed new stadium in the uh, McCormick Place area and saw a presentation by the McPeer people. And one of the things they talked about was just the conventions alone, like the Southern Baptist League, they need a stadium of 70,000 people for all of the convention people so they can have their general uh, their general sessions and that was going to places like Indianapolis and some of the other bigger venues because the Bears or Chicago did not have a location to fit that many people and now a, a stadium a complex that can hold 60 70,000 is going to get a lot of conventions and really generate a lot of money oh the, the, the amount and don't forget, I mean, they're building a whole complex there. It's not just the stadium. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And all of that is going to end up bringing in, each entity is going to end up paying their own fair share of taxes. Mm -hmm. except, and on top of that, the dollars that are spent. So the, the, the corporations, be it a, a restaurant, a hotel, whatever, uh, retail, they're going to all profit from it. And then the tax, and because they're making more money, they're going to be giving more money back to the government. And like mm -hmm. I say, people don't take that into consideration. Mm -hmm. That's a huge part of the whole equation. Yeah. Last says that it appears the bills are getting public money to move, to build their new facility. You well, guess where their governor's from? The governor of New York's from? Uh, Florida? No. Governor of New York's from Buffalo, and she's a season ticket holder. <laughs> that definitely helps. <laughs> Kathy Hockule, you know, so you know she, that was an easy one, you know, and 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 they're getting a pretty good chunk of change from New York, but yeah. the Pagulas are putting up a lot of money too. Yes. But at the same time, that's going to the economic impact that's going to have the, the stadium itself. That stadium was the current stadium was built in 19, I think it opened in 72. The year OJ had us 2003 yards, mm -hmm. um, 72 or 73. The that has generated a lot of money for the community, but not as much as this next one will. And even though the next one's not going to be domed, it's still going to be built they, they want to do an entertainment complex thing too like the bears are doing and it's just gonna you know just brings in more opportunity for the area mm -hmm. indeed all right let's get to our final topic and that is the issue of gambling we've seen some player suspensions uh recently and i know you've got some thoughts that you wanted to share with us uh let me play this clip first this is cole Komet uh at their recent press conference being asked about what have you been taught about these gambling rules and so forth? And uh, this is his response. Yeah, I did, but there are some rules that we actually were not, a lot of guys were not aware of. Um, you know, we had one of our PA guys come in and say, you know, if we go on a trip to Vegas and we, some of the guys say, hey, we want to go to the casino in Vegas, that, that we can get, you can get docked for that. Whereas the Vegas players who are already in Vegas can go to the casino, no penalty. 
So there, there's nuances to the rule that, I, like, I didn't know that, you know, not, and not that I would go to the casino night before, but you're, you're, I'm just, there, there's nuances to the rule that, you know, you're not aware of, and um, I was not aware of that. So it was good to kind of, you know, get educated on it. Greg, I don't know if I agree with him on that, and okay. I'll tell you why. And I don't know what all the rules are, but I remember going on a trip to Detroit. Mm-hmm. And we got off the plane, and meetings weren't going to be until like 8 o'clock. And there's a casino in downtown Detroit. I'm going to say 70% of the players are in that casino within 20 minutes of that getting to that hotel. Uh, how do I know that? Because I went to the casino, too. <laughs> I didn't know you were a gambler. <laughs> no, I, I mean, part of it was it was, it was literally walking distance. You know, yeah. a couple hundred yard walk, and and, and uh, <laughs> so you go over, and and that's where all the players were. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't, th- it's, I don't think there's a problem with if you want to go to the casino in Vegas and play blackjack. I don't think there's a problem with that. You go to the casino when you're on a trip, and you mm-hmm. bet on a sporting event. There's a problem with that because you're with the team. Now, I know that you can't, and this is the the receiver, uh, Ridley, got. this is what he got Nick for, is that they were on a road trip, and he used a sports app in his phone Mm -hmm. to bet on games from the team hotel and that's against the rules hmm. but you know i think it's it's the same thing as with drugs and the different drugs and stuff and and the league comes back to you're responsible with what you put into your body mm-hmm. and they have a seminar that the players have to attend. They go over all these rules. Now it's up to them to listen. This is the way I look at it. And because, you know, these gambling policies, it doesn't just pertain to the players. It pertains to the front office too. Everybody who works for the team, you know, the trainers, the ticket people, anybody. So, it's they all got to follow the same rules. And if you don't know the rules, right. I think it's totally on you. You're a stupid ass, a dumbass for not knowing it. Yeah, well, because I will, it's going to affect your job. Right, absolutely. Well, and I will say this on, on behalf of the players, you know, having been in the communications business for decades, it's really important for the league to tell them what the rules are and then tell them again and then tell them again and then tell them again because sometimes people don't get the message in the first or second time that's just the way we no, I, are. I get it and and you got to get situations like they have yeah but the, this this guy from uh uh the colts is going to end up getting he, he might get banned for life yeah because he was right. betting on nfl games right and he and he might have bet on some cold games his mm-hmm. own team so that to me, 
that's totally on him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and if he was, and first of all, he's not even, it, it tells me that he knew what was going on when it was like his cousin or his brother or something phoned that they were making the bets on. So they were trying to get away with something and they still got fucking caught. Yes. <laughs> and he sounded, you know, so, he sounded incredibly apologetic when he issued the statement recently, but uh, that may not really sway the NFL when they issued. No, the if he, if he bet on NFL games and especially if he bet on the Colt games, it's over. He'll never play again. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Uh, you have to go back to the days of uh, the Green Bay Packers. Paul Horning, Paul Horning was suspended for an entire season for betting on games. Uh, I'm not sure he bet on the Packers, but uh, it's a very serious thing. And, and Pete, Indiana, Rose. Pete Rose. Oh, my gosh. He, sh he should be in the Hall of Fame, by the way. But, uh, you know, just for his playings, uh, okay. what he There's did. No question. As a football, or football, as a baseball player, you know, one of the best. Absolutely. Um I got a I got a question here from Don Burr, who is a resident Detroit Lions fan. He says, "Let's talk about the scariest young team in football: Detroit, Hutchinson, Josh Pascal, Aleem McNeil, James Houston, Jack Campbell, Gibbs. Man, you can go on for days and days and days." Yeah, they're fucking Detroit. <laughs> I gotta say though, that is an impressive roster. Wait a minute, let me let the dog out. I don't know why he's barking. Just a second. That, that, that is His no. name is Bennett. He is a no. 145 pound dog. My dog is right over there. He weighs about uh, three feathers. <laughs> and uh, he doesn't bark. My dog doesn't bark much anymore because uh, he's hard of hearing, so he doesn't know what's going on around him. Uh, but Bennett, boy, I met Bennett. He's quite the monster. Uh, Desmond he says people. Yes, the hell he did. Was, I don't know. I, I love it that you could just let him outside and he won't run away. No, I let him out of the the my oh, office here. Okay, I see. No, he's got he's got one of those uh, invisible fence collars on. Yeah, those those are. He nice. isn't going anywhere. In fact, he he had it on. He doesn't wear it anymore. Mm -hmm. But he won't cross the zone anyway. Yeah, he's he, he, he got there. zapped a couple times, and that's all you need. <laughs> ah, that's funny. All right, uh, where were we? Uh, Pete Rose, uh, I think gambling. Uh, we're, we're about exhausted that. Let's no, just that, be responsible. Uh, the Detroit guy asked about none. Detroit's a good team this year, I think. Uh, I, I don't think they're a shoe. When you think they're a shoe in, mm -hmm. get ready to lose. Indeed. Indeed. All right, uh, that's going to wind things up for our show today. Wait, we got to bring uh, up one other thing. I just want to know what your opinion is. Sure. Off topic here. Okay. The And it's not really a merger. PIF, the PGA Tour, and the DP World Tour. Hmm? You got a take? Yeah, I do have a take. I, uh, you know, I understand the reason for this merger. And from the reason, well, makes first of all, yeah, let me, and I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, it's okay. Because I listened to Rory McElroy. Yes. And he, he got a call. This was announced Tuesday morning. He got a call from one of the big wigs in the tour, not the commissioner, Monday night, explaining the whole thing. 
And it's not really a merger. It's a whole new entity. Mm. And, and it's, he goes, I mean, Liv might still exist, but this is really PIF, which is that, that public investment fund. Right, right. Uh, and the world tour and the PGA tour getting involved with a, in a whole new entity. He, um, you know, how Liv is going to be structured into that, I think, remains to be seen. Right. But there are some people that have all this animosity towards Saudi Arabia, and I'm not going to get politics into this. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I've got my own feelings. But if if you want to be fair about it, that PIF is a big investor in Formula One, mm -hmm. one of the most popular sports in the world. Yes. They're a huge investor in soccer, mm -hmm. which worldwide is one of the, you know, probably draws more attendance than everything put together. Mm -hmm. um, the ladies tour they're involved in, I mean, they're involved in everything. Yeah. They want to be involved in this. And, you know, the one guy on the golf channel, I think is a complete freaking idiot. Randall Champlain. Mm -hmm. You know, he goes, the, the justice department won't let this thing go through. Why won't they? I mean, do you know how much money Saudi Arabia is already involved in in the United States? Oh, yeah. Just with oil. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, everything. I mean, you know, so, I, again, I, 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 when Jack Nicholas said that this is better for golf, I'm all for it. Yeah. That told you a lot because he knows a lot more than they're going to say because they're still working out the details. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I it's it's a complicated thing. I know ethically it, it's where it bothers me. We know about what Saudi Arabia has done with human rights uh, situations, right. but at the same time, you know, we're buying so much oil from them, then why why should we, you know, why should we say no to a golf merger or deal, whatever you want to call it, and not say no to purchasing oil from them? You know, that, that's well, I, the, I saw, right before we came on, I saw an article. I read it real quick. I mm -hmm. kind of just sped through it. And this one guy who's like assistant to the commissioner, and I think his name is Dunn, but I may be wrong on the name. He was talking about the thing. And he said, the people we are dealing with had nothing to do with 9-11. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And but here's the fun, if you want to call it funny, but the key to the quote, he said, and if I find out they did, I'll go kill them myself. Yeah, well, that's a that's a good way to close the show. <laughs> I, 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 it's like this just came out a couple hours ago, and I and I read it. I'm I'm going to say five minutes before I got on with you. I gotta tell you something, Greg. When, when you looked right at the camera and you and you said, "I'll go kill him myself," I actually got scared. <laughs> <laughs> no, he said he was gonna go kill him himself. I, I know, but I felt like it was coming from you directed at me. <laughs> I'll go kill him myself. No. <laughs> it was very, very threatening. <laughs>
I will never f around with you, Greg. You you want to do what? You got it, Greg. You are I'm the an absolute old man. best. I, You're an old man who carries a big stick. Is what I've heard. Well, I tell you what. I, there's a golf club sitting at, at two different doors in this house. If somebody tries to break in. <laughs> That club's getting swung. There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm working out with Mike North on his autobiography. As soon as I'm done with that, you and I are going to sit down and, and do yours because uh, the stories you've got to share, wow. <laughs> you just got to get permission from your wife to share some of them, I, I would imagine. <laughs> uh, see how well, you, I, you know, there's the stories thing. from the time I was single from – 94 to I came here in 2001. I met Robin in 2002. Mm-hmm. That you know, that's when I was single, yeah, exactly. So, so uh, she may not want you to bring those up though, and I understand yeah. that when I tell my wife, Yeah, I used to when I worked at Channel 2, that microphone was like a big penis that attracted women <laughs> from all over. She doesn't like it when I say that. <laughs> All right, Greg and I will be back next week. Uh, 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 Follow us on Barroom Network and on uh, G Gabe Football on Twitter for updates as to when we'll be on. And you can also find out by subscribing to the YouTube channel here and also to our audio podcast that you can find on iTunes, Spotify, what have you. Just search for Barroom Network. Stay on for a second. I want to talk to you just for a second. You got it, brother. Uh, and to everyone who joined us live in the chat, thank you very much. And thank you, everybody. Appreciate listening it. Listening on, watching on demand. Thank you as well. Bye bye, everybody.